If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief. And you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Podcast Unlocked. Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 167. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined by, well, no one at the moment. This is a very special episode of Podcast Unlocked. Phil Spencer is in the building. He's going to come on in here in a minute and talk uh, talk to us, catch us up on all things Xbox going on at Microsoft. Uh, so let's get right to that. This is a special episode. We're going to skip the rest of it and just get right to the good stuff. And that is Phil Spencer. So I hope you enjoy the interview, and then we'll see you next week. IGN's number one Xbox podcast, the podcast on Love presents The News Unlocked! Very pleased this week on Podcast Unlocked to have the returning champion, <laughs> the king in the house, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox himself. Good to see you, Phil. He was well, Ryan. Good to be here. So it's been, a, it's been a year since we last had you on the show. You were here almost exactly one year ago, actually, just prior to the launch of Xbox One. We talked for, I don't know, like an hour and a half or something about all discussion. kinds of stuff. And yeah, it was a great interview. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you. And you actually do listen to this show. You, you My sort interns of prove do. It. <laughs> you prove it every now and again by, by referencing something. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you guys are insightful in your opinions about the industry, both about us, things we should be doing well, things we are doing well. Uh, I, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and, and what people have to say. I put it on my car, Bluetooth, stream it through my stereo, listen, it's, it works really well, and I think you guys do a good job, so I, I appreciate, appreciate the support. That. Well, I appreciate you being here. And I'm going to start, so I'm going to start small with you, and then we'll kind of work the scale The of body the blows will come later. Yeah, we'll just start with a few jabs. <laughs> uh, but I want to start uh, something that annoys me and annoys a lot of Xbox fans that you've, you've addressed before, so I want to check in with okay. you on this. A couple, we're going to check in here, it's a it's checkup, it's okay. like, a, like a physical, turn your head and cough. <laughs> Uh, you've mentioned that uh, reducing install times for games. It's something Sony does great on the PS4. You can usually install something lickety-split, get right in and play it. Uh, Xbox One, not so much. I mean, I was just installing Sunset Overdrive last night, 
and it, it takes a while. It takes some time. So uh, where are we? Where are we with that? You've mentioned that is something you do want to help try and improve on the system. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, it's uh, I'll say our launch games, and most people who follow you guys know this. You know, we had a a certain policy about the console always being connected. Right. And that meant that games like Forza and Rise and stuff, as they thought about how they would be installed from the time they were kind of started as games, yeah. uh, had a certain assumption that changed. And I think for our launch games and even games that kind of ship through the spring, the change to having to deal with an, an offline-only state mm-hmm. meant that all the install kind of code flows weren't as perfect as they could be. Uh, what I had in the in the summer is I had the team start installing on PS4 and installing on Xbox One, third-party games. Because sure. the first-party games, there's not really an yeah, equivalent. Yeah, no comparison. To see, you know, where are we falling behind on installing. And they send me spreadsheets as the third-party games are coming out on when we're falling behind what the Sony's able to do with PlayStation. I've actually, in certain cases, we do better, and there are cases where we do significantly worse um, in install times. And then I'm going after, like, what are, are there sy- systemic reasons for that? I mean, our drive's obviously the same speed. Yeah. Moving stuff into memory takes the same amount of time. Hard drive speed's basically the same. So what's going on? Uh, and I'm capturing the data. I want to be state-of-the-art in install times so people can start playing games as soon as possible. It's, it's high on my priority. Is it an operating system thing? Is it just the way the OS works, or you know, if and I'm not obviously if, if when I look at the data with the third party uh, games, which I said I think are the best apples to apples comparisons, yeah. the deltas aren't that great between what the teams are doing on us and Sony. And I, like I, I wouldn't say, and I'm not defending it at all because I, I do think install time should be faster. That there isn't like one thing to say, like why is this? Why are we two seconds slower on this game? Right. Uh, or frankly, why are we two seconds faster on a different game? Um, it's it, the the issues are a little bit in the weeds and things that we're we're trying to fix and trying to make more uh, smooth line for the developers. It's really our developer pipeline and our ingestion system where we have to do the most work, and gotcha. that's where we're focusing. So where is that on the roadmap? I mean, because you you've been great about monthly updates. We just heard about what's coming in the November updates, yeah. some custom backgrounds, backgrounds and other things. Uh, so yeah, where does install times fall on the on the roadmap? Uh, it's kind of a constant. And one thing that maybe some of the consumers don't know or the gamers out there that are fans of Xbox is when we do the monthly updates, there's a whole nother side to the monthly updates, which is developer-facing. Right. So as the new d- previews the come XDKs. out... The XDKs. The XDKs. And there are features that are listed there uh, that are enabling uh, developers to use more of the resources on Xbox. We've mm-hmm. seen that. And some of the things, again, that are a little more in the weeds, like install times and stuff. So I'd say it's a constant. It's one of the things at the top of my list in terms of the parity experience between us and Sony and making sure that the install times aren't deficient on Xbox in any way. So I'd say it's just a constant item, and we're constantly going after the things that are causing the deltas. Right. Are, are the XDKs, because I remember uh, back, I mean, we have... We have had access in the past to uh, debug kits, which help us review games yeah. in a timely fashion, and that sort of gives us a little peek behind the scenes of how the the sort of inner guts of the console work. And in the early days of the 360, the XDK updates were near constant, and then they sort of slowed down yeah. near the end. Are the, are the updates uh, very frequent on the developer side? Right, right now? now they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they're basically keeping pace with what the consumers see in terms of the previews right. that they have. Uh, the monthly updates, I think, are that's working as a cadence for us. The team obviously needs some t- time 
like internally we're on daily builds. Mm -hmm. So we're getting updates to the OS uh, pretty much constantly. Sometimes it's broken. Usually it's working fine. Uh, then obviously gives us a month to get something packaged up so developers and gamers could consume it. And right. Kind of treats their console the way it should. We appreciate all the people in the preview program. It really helps us kind of smoke test what we're putting out there before we send it out to the millions of, of consumers. Um, so their help is is very valuable. But yeah, the developer updates, they some, they're probably... I'd say every two weeks right now. Okay. Um, and it, it, but definitely on the monthly updates, we're giving them uh, new features to take advantage of on our box. How about uh, screenshots function is another popular request. Where are we with that? <laughs> the, the, You're laughing. I am laughing. This is a good sign. No, every time I'm every time I'm meeting with the platform guys all the time, and screenshots are one of the things I ask about. And I, you know, naively I make comments like, "Well, we can do video. So how hard <laughs> can it be to just grab a frame of the video?" Uh, yeah. Anybody that knows people don't really want a screenshot that's just one frame of video. They want something that is is better than that. Yeah, um, it's actually a little more technically challenging than you would have thought. But the team, they like. Two weeks ago, they think they found a good solution for screenshots. They're working on it. Uh, they know people care about it. People want to see a good screenshot, especially because a lot of people will probably make them their backgrounds. Custom so background you, now yeah, in so the November I, update. That's right. So uh, the, the team has a path to getting it done, which is great. And now it's just prioritizing what you will see. I think over the holidays, and this has been traditional almost every year in Xbox, we will not do the size of monthly updates that we do like in December when you've got literally millions of consoles right. that are getting turned on for the first you time. You can't risk destroying anything, that's, right? That's right. So that's not a time for us to go. And, and I'm not saying screenshots are turning the OS inside out. But you'll see in November and December, well, November you've seen the list. And, and in December, it's probably a time for us to pause a little bit yeah. just to make sure everything settles when all the new consoles are coming online. Line, but definitely as we come back into the new year, um, you know, it'll be a time where people see new stuff and screenshots is on the list. I only chuckle because they know it's the question I'm going to ask every time. There are a couple platform features that I'm really pushing for, um, and screenshots are one of them. So here's one. Actually, this occurred to me last night. I added this question to my list last night when I was uh, I just started Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. And, and it reminded me, oh, yeah, on Xbox One, with every game, I need to go in and invert my look on cameras uh, on the 360, we had, right from day one, yeah. we had the universal profile settings, which there only ever ended up being two. Yeah. I remember there were supposed to be more, but it was for shooters and racing games. Your, what your default you know, camera setting was yeah. for, for shooters and what your default, you know, if you like cockpit view or behind the car or bumper view for racing games. Bumper and view. I always loved that on the 360 because I could just jump into any game and I wouldn't have to go into the options menu and just take that few annoying seconds. Uh, are we going to see any, why are we going to see anything like that on Xbox One? Yeah, I mean, you've seen us work more on profiles and identity and who you are on the box in this, even in the November. Sometimes I get mixed up because when we see all the lists, but the no, was it October or November? We're doing more around how you show up as an individual. Yeah, a lot of this is kind of outward fo fa uh, facing right now, uh, but definitely knowing who you are as a gamer and having those settings persist across games is in the same list of your identity on Xbox and making sure we complete that list. Absolutely. So that is something that's going to come at yeah, some point. Yeah, excellent. Uh, now let's let's widen out a little bit here. Why? I've actually seen this from a lot of fans. You know, we're covering Master Chief Collection this month as part of IGN First. We've been uh, Doing a ton of great stuff. Good job on that. Uh, thank you. It's uh, it's obviously Halo is a super passion of mine, so it's been it's been a treat to, I've to heard just that. do all sorts of good <laughs> stuff. Uh, but I, I get I'm I'm getting asked a lot, probably 
a tenth as much as you get asked. Uh, why isn't there a Halo special edition console? Uh, you know, people are, are literally posting the shut up and take my money yeah. gifts and, and uh, you know, on, online. Uh, and if, if someone internally... <laughs> wanted to do that. This is uh, bad podcasting here. I left this, left the computer on and things happened. Uh, it's okay. If someone internally said, "Man, I really want to do a Halo console," is that is that your call at the end of the day to be like, "No, nah, we're not going to do that," or "Yeah, let's do that." Yeah, and uh, th- it was a discussion really as we were looking at. Uh, I mean, I, I think the the most logical one would have been the white console that we put with Sunset. Right. Uh, we do have obviously some limit to the number of, of special edition consoles we want to have in the market at any one time. You know, sometimes it, it, it just gets a little silly if there are like 15 different versions of a console. But you do have like 6,000 bundles this holiday. I mean, we do have, have bundles. We have a ton of bundles. So I was asked, I guess I would just respectfully ask, what's the difference? Uh, it's actually, I mean, from a, a supply chain standpoint, it's different in that you have to start pretty early on identifying what your hardware bundles are. Gonna, right. Or you, what your, sorry, your hardware uh, SKUs are going to look right, like. Right. So color, um, hard drive size, all of these kind of things are things that you have to plan months in advance. Yeah. Whereas the bundles, you can you can kind of late bind those things. Um, so the the decisions on those two things are somewhat decoupled. And I know that might not make any sense to anybody, but you, the hardware roadmap and what the custom consoles are going to look like and what color they're going to be and all those things, that starts uh, – Almost a year in advance. Wow. So, like, people are now bringing in some concepts of things that we might be able to do next year. And, like, hey, what do you think of this? And yeah. it's, it's a cool part of the job. And the software bundles happen. The game bundles happen a lot later. Um, but on the specific question of Halo, I think, you know, it's, it's a great question. You could should, – should we have done – should we have taken the white console that we had and said, okay, that's Halo and not Sunset? Uh, you know, it's, it's a question that's a logical question anybody could ask. Uh, for us, when we were making this decision, and it was right before E3 – you know, Sunset's a game I really care about. I like the white console, um, the Master Chief collection as it was coming together. And I've kind of told the story before about how it was coming together, where it really started more as a Halo 2 anniversary. Mm-hmm. And then it grew as Dan Ayub and Bonnie and the team were really able to get uh, just a massive amount of work done at a very high quality level. And I think the re- result is is great. Um, but we made the decision early on that our, our uh, white console was going to go with Sunset. And that that's a decision that we, we stuck with. And, and I hope a lot of people like it. Is and it purely just because it's you, you figure you need the you need the carrot, the, the dangling carrot of the special console with the with the new IP that you're trying to grow rather than the thing you, you know people are already excited about? You know, uh, the way I thought about it was more I wanted to show that uh, I mean, releasing new IP and making it stand out is always a challenge. Absolutely. Right? Especially when you've got... Call of Duty coming with a massive game. You've got Assassin's Creed coming with a, another great game. You've got Halo there. And here we are with Sunset. And, you know, in the end, the number of bundles in the custom console you do is not a huge percentage of the game sales that you yeah. had. But I wanted to put a stake out there, our first time working with Ted and the team at Insomniac, that this is a real first-party game for us, and we're really behind it. And behind it in such a way that when we're going to do a, our, our white console, I wanted to put it with a brand-new IP with a studio that had done a ton of great work, and I really respected it. So it was, I won't call it a symbolic gesture, but it was something that was more about the importance I saw in Sunset as a new IP on our franchise. You know, would we have sold more white consoles if we put it with with Master Chief Collection? I think that would have probably been the safer route. Um, but I'd love to add another great AAA franchise to the list of exclusives on Xbox, and I think Sunset can be one of those things, and I want to get behind it in a big way. So 
the the Halo Five Guardians special console is like a foregone conclusion for next holiday at this point. Yes, um, we're not announcing any custom <laughs> consoles. That uh, the past we've done uh, Halo custom consoles and the and they've done really well. I'll say that. Um, but you know, it's kind of the same thing. When I look at new games out there, it's for us as a first party. I want to make sure we're we're pushing the safe versus something that's uh, kind of makes a statement. Yeah. For us, uh, Halo's obviously a statement game, so I'm not backing away from that at all. And like I said, it makes sense that people say, hey, why isn't the white console shaming with Master Chief? Um, but yeah, next year, Halo 5 is going to be a big event for us. Uh, my, just since I have the opportunity to speak with you, I'll just tell you uh, my, my personal advice. Please, less is more. Like the white console, gorgeous. The Call of Duty console, eh. What, on the design? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just, uh, yeah. Particularly with the, the box, this, this box, maybe I feel like, doesn't quite lend itself as well to customization the way the 360 Ryan, this is why did. we do so many. Everybody has their <laughs> options. Some people like white. We did the blue 360 this yeah. time. No, but it's uh, less is more. I'm writing that down. <laughs> right. He wants no. a clean design um, for Halo right. 5. Let's see here. Well, so, so similar question I would ask about, this is actually, this should hopefully have an even more interesting discussion. What about uh, Master Chief Collection special, special edition software? You know, the, that's... You've got, again, people, I mean, like, I would love to give you $150 for if we recreated, you know, if you did a big statue version of the Halo 2 box art where he's sort of standing to the side with the dual pistols, but we just have one $60 skew on this. Why not a Legendary Edition? Why not? You've got all these fans super excited about Master Chief Collection that would love a special edition of sorts of the software. So uh, what's the decision process and the thought process there? It's a good question. Uh, I will say when we looked at what Master Chief Collection turned into as we went through the development process, it's Combat Evolve 2, 3, 4, all running at 60. Uh, you got the Halo 5 beta. You've got Halo Nightfall. You've got the Halo Channel. You have all of these things yeah. landing that we uh, – and, and this is – so it's – it's a big package. Absolutely. And just the thought of, okay, we're going to go and try to create something else. Like we were kind of in the mode of this is something we want to do for the Halo fans as they start their Halo journey on Xbox One. And let's put everything we can and all of our energy into that one package. And I've talked with you before about the pricing of that package was yeah. something I really wanted to make sure stayed in a zone where people felt like, okay, this is something I love and it seems like I'm not being taken advantage of and buying the fifth iteration of again or something <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, that was core to us as we were putting that product together. I agree with you uh, and, and just say it in a crass way, maybe there was more money left if we would have, you know, built something at 99 bucks. Right. But we just didn't have that approach with the Master Chief Collection. So it's it was really, really all about you wanted it you wanted no confusion. You wanted basically. You really wanted to hammer home the value and not cloud the message of having some people think, "Oh, it's a hundred dollar thing." So is it really just all about the and it value was just pushing every? Well, and I call it. Let, let me rewind a little bit. And, and I've said this a number of times. I really view Halo, and I'll even see, you know the work that Bungie did on Halo in the bat in, in the past uh, as the reason that Xbox has. Uh, a relevance and a presence in the games industry. Absolutely. Uh, and I look at the fans, the Halo Nation that's been with us for over a decade now, and I w didn't want to take that for granted. I didn't want to try to take advantage of their passion uh, for Halo. I wanted to do something that I thought would 
meet, hopefully exceed their expectation in terms of value, quality, quantity. Uh, and I thought the cleanest way to do that was have one package that we just put everything in. Um, the heart and soul of 343 is in that game. Um, that you know they went after and they redid the cinematics. I think you've seen some of the, the blur, blur video. Stuff is it's, nuts. it's incredible. Um, I think it sets a new bar. I've seen some of the early Nightfall stuff. I think people are going to be really pleased with how that's come together. And it just felt like it was much more in line with the kind of thanks and the. Um, the respect that we have for the pe- the Halo fans that have been with us for such a long time. You don't have you don't have uh, people above you or shareholders going, Phil. You're leaving money on the table here. We could sell if we sold five hundred thousand special edition units at one forty nine with a with a silly statue. We could make we could make X number of more dollars. Well. I mean, is that the is that the perk of being the boss? You can just be like, this is how I see it, and that's. I mean, how it everybody is. has a boss, right? <laughs> and I have a boss as well. But I will say, uh, I take, I try to take a long term view yeah. on what we're doing with Xbox and in this business. And I think we, if we can't take that view as a platform holder, as Microsoft, with the resources that Microsoft has, I don't think we're kind of playing to our strengths. Uh, so I, the, the kind of short term, maybe there's a, a little money to be made. I mean, we've made some decisions in the past. I think I've talked publicly before when I look at something, one of the franchises I love, say Crackdown and Crackdown 2, where I thought we turned the crank on Crackdown 2 too quickly. Yeah. And I don't think we gave that franchise enough time to really meet the expectation that I had as a huge Crackdown fan, and I know the customers did, and the results showed. So while at the time you feel like you can do something short-term where maybe there's a little blip in revenue, and in the long term, I, I think if you if you lose sightlines into who the customer is and how much they watch what we do and how what we do sets the, the the kind of perspective of who mm-hmm. we are as a company. Uh, I think that's where you can get into trouble. And frankly, in, I've been in the job six months now, but I'm definitely trying to take a long-term view in all the decisions. I clearly don't do everything perfectly, and people call me out on it all the time. Um, and that's great. You know, people calling me out, I, I, want, I want to get better at this job. Uh, but taking a long-term view, especially with our most uh, passionate fans around Halo uh, is just something that's always going to be core. So, uh, one more on on Halo. Uh, how many copies are you expecting or projecting Master Chief Collection to sell? <laughs> Let's just say in the in the first month or two, because I mean, I was, the, the code name on the game when I first went and saw it with Dan Ayub and the team, that they who would refer to it because he you know he was so used to not saying the public. The code name is Ace, yeah, as in Ace in the Hole or Ace <laughs> up your sleeve. So clearly, you know, this is an important game for you guys. You know, you 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 know, what, what are we looking to sell here? What, what's what's gonna what are you gonna look at and go? Okay, good. Or what are you going to look at and go, uh-oh? It's, it's funny you ask that because we have a little pool going inside on how many units we were going to sell. Uh, it's, I think it's going to do better than our internal expectations. I've asked some friends of mine in the industry, uh, Dennis Durkin, who now works at Activision, is a friend of mine who was obviously worked at Microsoft, and he and I were exchanging texts. What do you think this, this game's going to do? I mean, the game, is, the game is turned out to be better, more complete, and bigger than maybe we thought it would. We, I mean, that doesn't mean we had low expectations, uh, but the, the project's very complex. And where I see where it's landed is, is exceptional. Because you just got done saying early, uh, a little while ago to me off the air, about how certain 
the big fish have to sometimes cover for the yeah. the little fish on things. And we, you know, was this going to be a big fish or was it going to be a little fish? If you go back and you look at uh, CE anniversary, Halo One CE anniversary, it did well. Not uh, just not relative to the other Halo. That's games, right. So. But we didn't actually think. I mean, it was a remake of yeah. the, the first game. Um, we we want it was the tenth year anniversary. I, I was proud of the work that the team did, uh, but it it isn't what Master Chief Collection is. And but if you look at where that is as a bar. I think Master Chief Collection will do significantly better than that uh, in terms of units out there. You know, I hope, obviously, I hope every Xbox One customer buys it, not just because that's good for us in, in terms of sales of Halo. You know, Halo is an iconic Xbox franchise. So early, you're able to put all four games, you know, you're going to get Halo 5. We'll do other Halo games. We'll stay. I think it's just a great way to start your. Uh, if you haven't played these games, I think it's a great way to start your career with Halo. Yeah. And if you have, I'll say me going back, and I know you've played a little bit. It is, it's, 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 it makes me kind of remember my my early gaming days, early in Xbox, and I think it's just a, a nice kind of walk down history lane with some yeah, of those games. Absolutely. So you mentioned, you know, you, that you've been on the job as head of Xbox for six months. Uh, reflect on that a little bit. What what were your goals uh, going in, and and how have you found the role? Uh, in practice compared to your expectations going in? The, I love the job. It's the job I, I want. It's uh, the, the team. The, the team is, is the part that motivates me probably the most uh, just on a day-to-day basis. Um, the, the year of the announce of Xbox, uh, E3 2013, the toll it took on some of the internal team members was probably higher than I anticipated or, or many of us did. And I remember after E3 this year, where I think we had a, a better E3, clearly there's things we can always do better. But the number of people who walked up in the halls at work that were kind of visibly emotional about feeling re-energizing their pride in the product that they work on. Uh, I mean, that, that meant a lot to me. And for, uh, I've been on the business since the, the first Xbox. And uh, sometimes as you're just kind of going through your day-to-day, your email list and your task list, your meetings and what, all the stuff that you're doing, you forget about, you know, a lot of, we invest a ton of time in what we do. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, so I found it very rewarding the first six months to watch the team execute so well. I, I had a meeting with the first-party teams th- just last week. And I remember back in first party with Microsoft, we couldn't ship anything on time, right? And it, you know, and I was in charge of Fable working with Molyneux, so I'll kind of you know put that on on me as one of those games. I also had BC if people really want to throw tomatoes at me. But um, I saw it behind closed doors at E3. It looked fantastic. <laughs> Super sad it never came out. Also, uh, Shane Kim canceled True Fantasy Live Online. Yes, TFLO. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I look at what the first party teams did this holiday, and you know, Sunset came out or Sunset's going to come out. I think it's great. Uh, Forza Horizon 2 is is out, reviewing really well. People are really enjoying it. Master Chief Collection. I mean, the team's hitting dates. They're hitting at quality. Uh, I just think they're doing an exceptional job. And I think what you – and then we talked about the monthly updates earlier, the platform team's doing such a nice job. And I actually think that such a large percentage of that effort comes from people's just internal belief in where they're working and the product that they're working on, um, which I love. And it's it's energizing. It's easier to do this job when people come in excited to show you what they've come up with. We've got some other things that we're on the cusp of talking about, hopefully, that people will get excited about. But the team is just like they're, they're chomping at the bit to make more progress. On the challenging side of the job, you know, I'm learning. I've been the f- 
first party studio guy. Yeah. And uh, if you put me in a studio setting, I'm at home. <laughs> you, you put me in front of the hardware teams or sitting with the CFO of Microsoft going through my business, I'm learning what that is. Right. Uh, and it's fun to learn. And I, I mess up some things and, uh, and I, I get... I get told that, and it, um, and that's okay, right? And but the, you know, the, the, the tough parts clearly dwarfed by the just the amazing support we've seen from the fans and the, and the people working on Xbox, and that's been great. So, uh, how would this con- now? You've said before, we've talked before about you know, you're new to this role, but you've had a seat at the table the whole time, but. Yeah. I'm curious, how would this console, how would the Xbox One be different if you had held this role from the project's inception however many years ago? Well, I'm glad I'm glad you bring this up because I see it sometimes on Twitter and other places where people want to uh, call me out as somebody who was at the LT, that leadership table, when uh, the decisions were made for Xbox One, and that's absolutely true. And I don't want anybody to... Uh, I've never tried to wash my hands or distance myself from my role uh, on the Xbox One leadership team through the announcement of the console, um, E3 2013. I was there, and I'm not trying to create some kind of false history that makes me look better to right. say, oh, I wasn't there and I, I wasn't in, in involved, and um, I'm going to take responsibility for those decisions, absolutely, um, good ones and bad ones. Um, I have to. Otherwise, I don't have any credibility in what I do going forward. It's the way I look right. at it. I wouldn't listen to me if all of a sudden I tried, well, you know, I was asleep during those meetings or something. It's kind of silly. Um, I was there. Uh, the question about what I would have done differently going forward, I think um, hopefully people can look at what I've been pushing for in the first six months of being on the job. And I think that would have been, I don't think that would have changed if you, we rewound to 2012, 2011, or you know, whenever the right starting line is and said, okay, what would I have done? Um, I think the the consumer choice, making sure that fans had feedback into what we were building, getting their feedback earlier, making sure that the the kind of games ecosystem was well taken care of. I, and I've said it before, I love the entertainment features on our box. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, because I see what people are doing on the box, a ton of people use our box to watch Netflix and Amazon sure. and TV. Like it's, it's And just, maybe HBO Go someday. That's right. <laughs> Now, that was an interesting <laughs> announcement by them the other day. Um, but I think we get permission as a platform to focus on entertainment when we're a great gaming platform. And before we've earned that permission and we go out and we try to explain it to a people that we're an entertainment platform without checking the box for all of the, the Xbox fans out there that this is going to be the place where I want to play games, yeah. uh, I think that's where we confuse people. And I come back and the team knows this when we're making decisions – I'm going to be gamer-centered on the decisions that I that we want to make for the platform. So does that extend to the hardware as well? That's kind of more what I was... If you had been there from day one and your, your team's putting together, okay, we've got... We, we're looking at these specs. We're going to do... You know, it's like, oh, you know, back when the consoles were first being announced, it was... Oh, the, you know, the RAM was kind of a big deal, the GDDR3 versus the 5. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the... The which GPU unit, CPU, where do we clock? You know, would, do you do you feel like you would have pushed a little more on the hardware side uh, in the in the inception of this thing if you'd had the opportunity? Yeah, it, I, I don't, not, not, and not just to preface, not that it's obviously it's not that it's a bad console, but you know, it there are the PlayStation Four is a monster, uh, and whereas you kind of I would say maybe had uh, the edge last time uh, on the hardware side. Do you think you think you would have kind of uh, you know, pushed a little farther in some areas on the hardware side? 
I mean, it's easy for me to say yes, and I know <laughs> to a lot of people that will make me seem like you know a, a better guy. I, and I honestly don't know, right? Because yeah. I uh, I know the people that made those decisions, and um, I. I don't know the realities of the situation when they made those decisions. Right. So it's easy for me to sit back now and say, okay, we would have built a three teraflop box and sold it for $99. Like, ah! <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I don't know what trade-offs they were making when – and because we didn't all make all of the decisions – uh, as a leadership team. Like I was making content decisions. Yeah, you were making hard. software decisions. So it's, I think it's a little unfair for me to go back and kind of cherry pick a certain decision on, hey, what RAM do we pick or this ES RAM thing or the HDMI in, what I've done that connect, whatever it is. Yeah. And just say, oh, I'm all knowing at this point and knowing where we are now, I would have changed these decisions. I think that, that that's hard for me. Again, it, it might make me look good if I just said yes, but I, I don't know. I don't know in the context. I will say that, the work that the platform team has done to give as much power in the hands of the developers as we can uh, has made a tremendous impact in the last six months, and I'm really proud of that. Um, and the box, from a reliability standpoint, I mean, I lived through Red Rings on 360 mm-hmm. and other things, so uh, has been significantly better than we were at the launch of 360, which has been great. Um, I'm not ashamed of the hardware that we have anyway. And if somebody asked me, should I go buy an Xbox One? I can definitely tell them from the content that we have, from the platform that we have, from the service that we have, and from the hardware that we have, yes. Like I can make a commitment to them that they're buying into a platform that I'm committed to across all facets of that of that platform. And that we're going to make this platform as great as we can for them. I know I'm running out of time with you, so I'll try and just squeeze in a couple more questions here on my I'll go to one-word answers. Uh, <laughs> uh, can we expect more... Uh, I'm I'm down to half my hard drive space, and that's before putting 65 gigs of Master Chief Collection on it. Uh, Can we expect more one terabyte SKUs next year, even beyond? I know, obviously, as time goes on, hard drive prices get cheaper. Yeah, I mean, Uh, where is that a big priority for you in in getting more space in the console? Yeah, you mean you you see it with? uh, Because I don't want to plug in external crap. I know you have the the option for that, which is great, but I just want it in the box. Yeah, and it's you you saw it in the 360 generation. I mean, you're riding this price curve, performance. You call Moore's law, whatever you want to call it. You know, Moore's law necessarily applies to hard drives, but uh, we we want to make sure that that we're matching the demand that's out there for hard drive space, uh, you know, it, and it will remain uh, as part of one of the equations or, or variables that we have in our box and something that we'll continue to push on, absolutely. Uh, where is Inside? What's going on with that? One of my favorite things from E3. I mean, the Limbo team, Play Dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's been been very, very quiet ever since. Uh, have you seen that game lately? Where is it? And uh, what's... When can we? I saw it a couple more. months ago, and you know the, that developer. Do you know when the guys that played had good friends? Um, and it was great to have them on stage. I say, you know, they're not the most gregarious studio out there promoting their game every day. They're uh, they're one of those studios that really crafts the art. They want to make it great, sure. and they want to show it when they're ready to show it. Which is why it was great to have it um, on our stage. Uh, you know, they're going to be. I let them drive. Uh, they know their game. They're going to be the ones that drive when they want to show it, when they have the next beat. Uh, and it's not going to – and we do that with most of our studios. I get a lot of questions, Quantum, and you know, are we going to see anything else in 2014? Um, and for a lot of our great games, most of the games, I think we, we drive based on production and when we have something to say. And I think it will be a little while before we see something else on Inside, not because right. there's any problem. Yeah. It's just the team's busy working on the game. Fair enough. Uh, where do you as a gamer – 
as a gamer, because you are a gamer. That is mm-hmm. one thing that people like about you. You're you're not a faceless suit that's just <laughs> moving numbers in, in spreadsheet columns. You actually do play the Xbox. You play video games on all platforms. Yeah. Uh, what do you as a gamer want from the next Gears of War? Oh, Gears of War. I do apologize for people who caught me on... I, I retweeted the Marcus Phoenix collection. I shouldn't have done that. It was an accident. <laughs> um, but uh, the next Gears of War, you know, I... So I was on... I, I'm a codename user. I was on Warfare uh, working with Ken Lobb on the first Gears of War. And the thing with Cliff and all the guys, the thing that was great about the early Gears of War games to me were were just the kind of epic scale of the settings that I was in, the kind of, remember clicking Y to see these massive destruction moments. Yeah. The story, the setting was was a lot more what I would call soulful and maybe even a little dark. And I think, and, and Rod and I have talked about this, I think the game over time became almost more of a parody of itself. Um, not for any kind of horrible reasons. It's hard to continue to manage the IP. And Gears 2 did well. Gears 3 did well. So I thought the franchise continued to grow. Uh, But when we've talked about getting back to something, you know, I think the story and the setting and what the, the, what they're going through as a band um, in a Gears of War, like the name of the game and all really meant something to what that game was about. Um, We've got to get back to that, the feeling of those individuals. Do you see it as a reboot or do you see, do you see it as a, as a, some sort of continuation within the universe that already exists. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a reboot because I don't think the franchise necessarily needs that. I don't. I mean, the amount of passion that's out there for Gears of War today. I know Judgment didn't hit everybody's needs and desires in terms of what they wanted, um, but I, I think we can continue. But we can also we have a new team. Rod's there uh, to really help with the continuity. Uh, I think we can make sure we're investing in this thing for the next decade, which is how I want to think about yeah. it. Uh, are there first-party studios working on new IP that we don't know about yet? When we get into our definition of first-party again, we are definitely wor- – yes, yes. There are first-party internal and external uh, studios working on games that are not announced. I think that will always be true, just to be clear. I mean, it's – I look at our portfolio, and clearly we have the the bigs the, the, at the top um, that are just – they. Well, we got to a place at the end of the 360 generation where we were we were pretty in a pretty regular Fable, Halo, Gears, uh, Forza cycle. I think that's kind of where the question, where my question comes from. Okay, and you've shown a little, you know, you've we've, we've we're seeing uh, uh, Phantom Dust of all things coming back and uh, <laughs> well, cra- of and all Crackdown. Things. <laughs> well, it's a it's a it's a game not a lot of people played yeah, back in the original. That's right. But you know, Crackdown. So, are we going to see that continued? Yes. Because I, I think, but what a lot of Xbox gamers don't want to see. I mean, as much as we love those those tentpole Xbox franchises that I just mentioned, I think we want to see the we don't want to see you and your team sort of for lack of a better term, rely on those. We want to see the the continued yes. first-party innovation. So do I. And I think new stories, new characters uh, give us a new canvas to try new things. Sunset's a great example of that. Yeah. You know, It's a game that isn't like anything else in our portfolio. Uh, and I think that's great. And it's uh, I want to continue to invest in things that kind of push the boundaries. I don't need another military space marine game. I don't probably need another racing game. People push me on PGR or something. But uh, in terms of trying things that are new and have a unique reason to be in our portfolio, it's got to be a commitment for us as a first party. Absolutely. Uh, I ask you this every time I get a chance to interview you. What, what the hell is Rare up to? Yeah. Uh, I, I ha- would think as a gamer, right? It would, from the, you know, the armchair analysis thing that, that I know you hate that I do, I, don't I, I feel like Connect Sports is probably over. We've seen three of them. 
Connect is unbundled now. You and I talked at E3 about about that, and uh, you know it seems like the sales were good, but you know it's, they've definitely come down from the first game or two. So where do you and you've you've said in the past on this show a year ago, you yeah. said that you know you don't see Rare as a Connect studio. So uh, what's going on with them? When are we going to hear from them? And uh, are they you know do you value the, uh, the that that incredible IP in their backlog? Do you see them as doing a new thing? I'd love to see him do something new that feels like a rare game. Uh, I'm traveling out there in the second week, I think, of November, and I'm going to see uh, their their new game pitch that they have. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I hear some whispers in the halls, but they don't <laughs> want anybody to tell me because they want to do the unveiling, which yeah. is great. I love that they do that. You know, I, I also just on the oh, wait. Sport. So, what have they been working on for the last eight months? Then, just trying to get ready for this pitch meeting, like prototyping and stuff. Uh, it's not about the pitch meeting. They try a lot of ideas. Usually, what studios yeah. will do is they will start up five or six things. Right. Right. And then they kind of self self weed out the things that aren't working yeah. until they have an idea that really works. And I want to give them that time, and they have that time. So I'm going to be there. We're going to look at what they have. I was going to say on Connect Sports. I'm I, Connect Sports. I think plays a role in our portfolio. It does, sure. And I think it's great that it's in the market. And I wouldn't say we'd never do anything else with Connect Sports. What I've said is I don't want Rare to just become the Connect Sports team. There are potentially other people that could do a Connect Sports game. I'm not announcing anything. We're not working on another Connect Sports game <laughs> right now. Uh, but I do think it. It, it can play a role in our portfolio, and I wouldn't just want to say Connect Sports is dead because Rare decides um, that there's something else that they want to go work on. Those two decisions can be decoupled. All right. I know i got to let you go. Last question. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, the Mojang deal. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Mojang, Mojang. What's the, uh, however there, you want to say it. I see it as Mojang, but I've seen it. I don't even know. Anyway, uh, that's beside <laughs> the point. So you've got to be looking farther ahead than Minecraft. And plus, uh, you know, the three founders are leaving anyway. Uh, but it's yours. Uh, what was? Were you part of that deal, or was that a greater? Did that even go to you? Mentioned before that you have bosses. Yeah. Uh, was that was that a Phil Spencer deal? And uh, what's next with 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 that with Minecraft? Yeah. You know, I hesitate to call it a Phil Spencer deal because of all the people that did all the work to make it happen. It was born out of something that we wanted to do in the Xbox team. Um, so this wasn't because I've seen some of the speculation of it, it came like it was hoisted upon us by the company or something. Right. Absolutely not. Uh, it was something we have the partnership with Mojang. We've worked with them uh, for years on uh, Minecraft on 360. Uh, Notch and Carl and the guys are, are friends of mine. Um, it's a big deal. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, for me, I look at it as just a, a great game to add to our portfolio. I love who plays Minecraft. I love that, you know, male, female, young and old. It's a, something that lives on so many different screens. I'd love to bring it to more screens out there. Uh, I think what we've learned through Xbox Live is something that we can help in unifying a little bit of what happens with, with Minecraft today. If I'm on PC, I get access to the mod servers. If I'm on console or the mobile editions, I don't. And, you know, Matt Booty and I are kind of looking at, well, how do we help bring that whole system together a little more? Because there are other games that are out there that kind of let me move from screen to screen and fairly seamlessly. Um, so I think there are opportunities for us to work. And it's just, it, I think it has such headroom as an IP and frankly, I love what it means for us as a gaming industry. And maybe that's overstating it a little bit. Kids creating things, playing together, um, having a good time. It has a role in classrooms. I just think it's it's good for us. Oh, it's all my my ten year old nephews play. And like uh, the YouTube crazy. community around it yeah. is incredible. Uh, it's going to be. I see us as shepherds of the IP. 
Right. Do, do you see it as a bigger thing than a video game? Do you see it as uh, maybe you produce a, an animated series or a, or a film? Or do you see it, because uh, you just said it's, it was born out of the Xbox games team. It was your team's deal. But does the company see it as, as uh, having potential other things to leverage out of it? I mean, they will look to us to drive it. I don't actually get a lot of, you must go do something with this IP right. from, from the company. They're curious on how we're growing our business and how the fans are reacting to some of the policy changes and things. And it's been a good dialogue with the company on those things. I look at Minecraft, uh, and I think a little bit on the, the, the riff we had before, I think we earn permission to do other things with Minecraft when we meet the Minecraft community's desires right. around what the franchise is. And that's Matt and I have been pretty consistent in that. I don't I don't want us to go and try to make it something it isn't. But I do think it has room to grow. I know Jeb and the team there, like Junkboy and Lydia and all of them, people uh, there they have a lot of enthusiasm for where they'd like to see the the franchise go. Do you on. start do you start uh, bundling it free with Windows 10 with Xbox One? How do, is that cuz it's a platform, right? You can can you just make a Minecraft 2? Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know Minecraft 2 if, if that's the thing that that makes the most sense. The deal hasn't closed. Like right, we haven't we haven't closed the deal. So I think that's important to note uh, so any kind, we're not in there managing the franchise right now. Uh, when where it goes, I'll just say what I said before. The community around Minecraft is as strong as any community out there, and I think we need to meet the needs and the desires of what the community has before we get permission to go off and do something else. It doesn't mean everything we're going to do is going to map to 100% of, of their acceptance because I don't know if there is any topic where 100% sure. of people agree. But we look at job one is to go out and meet the needs of the Minecraft community first, and then we can think about ways that we can actually help grow it, and uh, that that's our sole focus. All right, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, regular podcast yes. unlocked listener. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by. I love these. Let's make these visits more than annual. Great. I love it. Thanks for the time. Excellent. Thank you, Phil. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.